Welcome to the Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station. I'm your host, Ed Doxon. Today, I have a very special guest, Devin Moody Graham. Um, she's here today. We're going to talk about a lot of things um, in regards from, you know, uh, motherhood, entrepreneurship, um, so forth and so on. Um, I'll introduce, briefly introduce Devin, and then I'll let you also provide some additional information for the um, listeners. And we'll jump right into this great conversation that I'm excited to really, really have today. So Devin Moody Graham is an international business strategist, international best-selling author, impact speaker, and serial entrepreneur. Devin is the Chief Solutions Officer of CEO Mom Empire, which focuses on women business development. She hosts business conferences globally to provide women with the tools they need to sustain and grow their business. With the spotlight on moms, Devin's journey offers insight on how to overcome the challenges of balancing your business while raising children. Devin's commitment to her client's success has helped them gross over $4 million in revenue and funding. She assists her corporate and individual clients with customer clarity, partnership, building, increasing revenue streams, and building a resource arsenal that will keep them with a who's who in their industry. She helps prepare businesses' owners to be attractive to bank lenders and other funders. Helping entrepreneurs find access to capital is a passion of hers, especially for Black business owners. Creating a platform for others to expand their reach and build legacy is her goal. So welcome to the show, Devin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll just jump right into it. Um, you know, uh, doing research and, and um, looking at the information that was sent over, how we connected. And first and foremost, I want to say, you know, definitely glad we connected. Just giving you a background. Um, the show started last year and it's, you know, me kind of uh, connecting people with my network. So majority of the guests have been people I may have known for, you know, 10 years, 15 years or maybe a couple of years, former co-workers, childhood friends. But then I expanded it out to people that I've, you know, started to meet um, as I continue to meet through my journey. So, of course, you know, we met through a PR agency that I connected with recently. Um, and I'm happy you know, to be able to connect. But, you know, Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station is all about networking, connecting, uh, motivating people, and really helping people achieve their dreams by any means necessary, which I think you are an example of, but you're also helping people doing that. So with that being said, you know, I know you come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, and now, you know, the space that you're working in relating to that, um, what impact did growing up around entrepreneurs have in your life? I mean, it was everything um and i actually knew that i wanted to become an entrepreneur but um not so much so in what in what lane because my dad has been a cobbler or a shoe repairman for over six years my mom a cosmetologist as well as um she does carpentry my mom's the mary Kay in tupperware so i grew up with a lot of women rallying in groups and saying hey you know so i kind of grew up around a lot of women who are always rooting for one another and okay. it, it wasn't until I had a conversation, um, maybe like last week, that I remembered that that's why um, I actually know that that exists. Um, just growing up with seeing people encourage one another and want each other to win. Because if you're on a team, if, you know, one person wins, everyone wins. And so I grew up with that mentality around building community um, and not just going at it alone. And so um, I take all of those experiences to what I'm doing today to help businesses, especially with a focus on Black-owned businesses and mom-owned businesses, to really dream big and expand um, because it's up to us to leave that next level of generational wealth for those who come um, behind us. But, yeah, it's definitely been a huge impact, both what to do and what not to do, you know, because uh, what we learn that we don't like or what not to do is most times most important than uh, actually learning what we want to do. 
Right, right. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you said something that stuck out to me just about, you know, growing up, seeing that and also, you know, now having the mom empire. Um, and, you know, one of the things is helping people, you know, you know, be successful, be entrepreneurs while raising children. Um, what what did you see? You know, I would say I'm sure of many things, but what was one thing you saw, you know, that you saw your mom do well at as far as like, you know, being um, um, entrepreneur and like, you know, still being able to raise a family. So really being present um, with all the children, like I said, I'm the youngest of 10 um, with my mom helping to raise um, nine children. And that's a lot. I can't even wrap my mind around it. Um, (laughs) Even though I've helped to raise six, it's just still different because I've always been a working mother um, until I uh, dove into entrepreneurship. Well, I guess it's been a long time now because my son is, uh, that I gave birth to, my oldest is 17. And I've been going on, this will be my 14th year going on an entrepreneurship. um, And I would really say I've always wanted to be as present as she was. I still don't know how she did it. Um, I know I came at the the last bunch of kids because my siblings are like 10 to 21 years older than I am. Mm. <laughs> to uh, my children and why I'm able to, you know, I'm able to be present and go on college tours and, and work with them and go on field trips and volunteer at the school. And even now with bringing my daughter to the office, she's in the conference room now because she's on her cell phone, but you know, okay. being able to have that, um, flexibility to still work and see my and have my children be a part of that world so that's the biggest thing that I would take um and she all would take from her is her still being present while doing these things right right and, and how did the see um you know mom empire how did that begin I know you said you've so, been for 14 years so how did that begin so you know what it literally wasn't on purpose I say it was that was that was God's plan literally because um if I would take it all the way back to Devin's plan so I had my son my oldest son my senior year in college and then I went on still to grad school right after um but I never planned on having a huge family or getting married early right (laughs) so me my my life the way it is now which I absolutely love now don't get me wrong but I didn't plan it that way I come from a big family I have so many nieces and nephews and so I was like, I'm not about to have all these kids running around. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> that was literally what I was saying. I was okay with, you know, well, I just got, you know, got one. And uh, of course, life kept lifing. And um, as I still was doing things that I wanted to do in business and then end up um, meeting my husband. And I was like, okay, well, he already has kids. I'm good. We might have one more and then I'm done. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that didn't happen. And so three girls later, um, and those girls are three, six, and ten. It's it, it was almost like um, as I was continuing to do things, and I literally well, this is in a chapter of a book I wrote. I was in an anthology with thirty one other black women called Overcoming, and in my chapter I talk about the self definition of uh, motherhood and me how I redefined what motherhood looks like and I erase what people call mom guilt because I've had children and I have a very capable village, very capable husband where I've been out of town. They were a couple months old. Um, but who's going to turn down going to the white house? You know what I mean? Like I've right. done some things. And so it's like, Oh, you got it. You know, y'all got it. Let me pack everything up and I'm ready to go because my children are seeing me do all these things. And that was when my six year old was like five months old. And then of course, planning my first international conference uh, when I had just had my, my baby, I think by the time we left though, she was nine months. And it was like, so they, all they know is mom and business and going to the office with mom and traveling to conferences with mom. And that's the life they know. And so, um, just going back to five, six, 
I think at this point, six years ago, um, I just noticed that a lot of the individual clients I was working with was mostly women, and a lot of them were moms, and they would they were working their jobs, their nine to fives, and then creating their businesses, you know, after hours. So we would meet, and we would always meet somewhere that was kid friendly, or even right. sometimes if I knew them, you know, I would go over to their homes, and our kids were playing, and it was like, dang, Deb, how do you go to those events and you got the kids? I take them with me. I didn't I didn't care. I didn't think I didn't think about anything being uncouth. They weren't running around terrorizing people. Right. I, I took strollers to business meetings. Guess what? You still want to meet with me. You still want to make this money. I'm going to sit here and, and hold this bottle yeah. <laughs> in her <laughs> mouth and we're going to have this meeting. And so that was my mentality that literally if I did not have child care. Of course, you know, I wouldn't take them to a gala, a, a totally adult-only right. event. Right. But when it came to certain things, if there was a gathering, okay, well, my kids could be right there. They got crayons and things, and I'm going to sit here, and they're going to see mommy work. And so that was so important to me that other people said, I want to do that too. And I ended up, um, my mentor, my late mentor, she passed a couple years ago from cancer, but she, um, she came to me and she said, well, Devin, uh, she did a lot of things in economic development she, uh, in sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. And so she was like, how about you be a part, a part program partner with us? I see what you're doing and you're having these events. And so we did a partnership with the library. And my very first event was in, um, ended up being, no, I had one event in 2016. The next one was 2017 at the beginning. And we got the library. We got free books for the kids. I bought snacks and we had all these things, you know, going on. And we talked about self-care for moms, like who takes care of mom. And that was really important. And then I had business information. And from there, we just kept moving from conferences. COVID um, actually stopped my second conference. And so I ended up doing a virtual conference, but it had like a reach over 5,000 people, had a couple countries. It would, it would, it did really well for that to be my first virtual conference and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, yeah. I just tried to make it work. And so I knew it was needed. And so I just continued to do things that made sense, have activities and say, Hey, this is, you know, daycare provided for the uh, events and meetings because mom shouldn't be shut out because you want to have a family. You want to grow those things. So we need both. I'm about to send a kid to college. So I need all of my coins. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, you, why do you have to miss opportunities just because you chose to have a family? That's not fair. And so I want to make sure that moms were getting the same quality of uh, programming as anyone else, you know, that was able to come to those events during times where they might not have childcare. And I would bring those same speakers to my events or either host them virtually. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I love that. Um, you said something too that stuck out to me and just thinking about the whole mom empire thing. Um, what role does your husband play in the mom empire? And not really just on the business side, but just as we're talking about, you know, being able to balance the business and the family responsibilities. Keeping the children quiet while I'm doing things at home <laughs> <laughs> because they listen to him. He has to say things once. I have to say them a few times. Yeah. Um, so that was me make... growing up with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> my father's so, had to look at me he don't even gotta say nothing <laughs> that's my dad that's my dad my dad look at me that was it like i literally never got a spanking or anything from my dad he hit my hand once when i was playing with a, a i wish match. i wish i could relate to that my listen dad on the work so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so um he keeps them together and I, if i'm like last minute you know hey i need you to get them or whatever so he, he'll get them together get them if I, they need to go to a practice or something that i just can't take them to like recently i was out of town for a conference so he had to um take over for getting because we, we kind of split up the children there are so many activities so we split up 
who who's doing what and we know who you know it's just like a whole schedule but he actually had to take on our third role for the weekend activities because I was out of town speaking at a conference and so he fills in those places um and then just when I need some quiet time he'll reinforce okay yeah go go sit down mom needs some time you know <laughs> just yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. when I need a little time because when I'm at my best I can mother best when I have some time to decompress and um I'm not I'm not fussing and things because I've had time to rest and so I'm like hey let's go have fun rather right. than come on y'all <laughs> no 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 absolutely yeah. um do you um just I heard something about decompression outside of the rest what are, what are your outlets you know your positive outlets that you take part in you know which is dealing with so much so dance so I when I was okay. younger I was on a pom-pom squad and dance team and all of that so I've always loved love to dance and so I actually do a um, class it's called Afroetics so it's like a mix of like a Afro fusion of Afro beats like dance and fitness and that is my thing um, in addition to that walking and that just that's more recently as just like the rest of the world um, <laughs> who have some of that COVID weight pop on them. And I'm probably like the biggest that I've ever been in my entire life outside of being pregnant. So right now I'm really focusing on at least 25 to 30 minutes of walking, jogging kind of activity every day. I I did three to five days, but then I would get closer to the three. And so, or then it's closer to the two. And so if I hold myself accountable and use my little Apple watch to say no, you need to make sure that, you know, you are beating this and put myself, make my hold myself accountable. And then it, I'm better for it. And then, so my children, they are all at, well, he's a coach. So everybody's pretty active. Um, I don't let him train me because he's crazy. Like I can't, a coach can't, no, no, no. <laughs> he's like, you know, hi, hi, I'm training other people and you won't work out with me. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We want to want to keep a happy marriage at home. Mm-mm. You 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 crazy coach. So I do things uh, on my own, but I still um, we're all pretty active when it comes to that. So that's what I really do. Um, walking and that and reading when I can. I okay. am I have books that I haven't caught up on yet. Um, but some of the books that I'm reading, um, we should all be millionaires. Rachel Rogers and um, the Four Hour Work Week. Those are two that I'm working on. I heard now. about that one. I need to tap into that myself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Now that's cool to hear you hear that. Like I'm, um, you know, people listening that know me. Like I'm a, I'm a big walker. I tell myself I'm the, you know, I'm the big stepper. <laughs> but um, my friends and I, you know, we 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 did. Have you ever heard of the seventy five challenge? Seventy five uh, seventy five hard challenge. I think so. Yeah, that's one that I didn't do. I've seen yeah. another, Look, I've seen other people do it. Maybe yeah. one day I can do that. Yeah. Mm. So we had did that, but part of you know the second workout would be forty five minutes, and we will walk. So. Um, I have a mentor of mine um, where he walks every day. You know, even myself, I'm now based in South Florida. You know, great weather. I walk every day. But, um, yeah, definitely on it. If you're not on the Nike Run app, definitely get on there. Add, I can, I'll add you on there. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I would love that because I definitely do. Um, and funny story, I had just come from a, uh, like, an NAAC banquet, NAACP banquet on maybe Monday. And so I still had on my dress and everything. Uh, and okay. But it was late. Guess what? I slipped into my sneakers. My son was like, what you doing? I was running up and down the street because I got to get it in for me. I do a lot for other people. And so I'm just now in this time of these, in this uh, wisdom, finally applying this wisdom to myself and my own life. I'm taking care of my physical body more than I ever have, you know, since I've been a mother. Um, And so, yeah. So he was like, mama, you leave me alone. (laughs) <laughs> what you doing? I'm running, running. So I'm out there running 
uh, I think I had taken my earrings off because they were pretty big. But other than that, I was gone in my dress, boom, up and down the street, running, walking, running, walking for like 40 minutes because I got to be here for all these little ones. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was backed by science. I don't think because people always ask me about when I go walking or and I jog and run too, but I always said, I was like, you know, it's, you know, of course you get a physical result, but it's more mental stimulating for me. Like that's mm-hmm. when I go think. Um, I'm in my notes. I'm uh, online thinking about stuff. I'm planning podcast episodes and all those type of things. So, uh, no, definitely, definitely glad to hear you know that you're doing that. Some people always say, well, I don't know how you walk those many miles, and I'm just like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a mental escape. Mm-hmm. It, depending on how you approach it and look at it, it's gonna be a mental escape for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know, dealing with that, you know, having those um outlets as you're balancing, you know, your business and your family. Um, what are some challenges that you've overcome? Um, as a mom and a business owner, and I say challenges where, you know, given, I'll give you my background, I'm working in human resources. Um, you know, there's always trends a lot about, you know, uh, uh, maternity leave or there's trends about how some people may apply for jobs and, oh, if they find out that the person is pregnant, then they may not want to hire the person and think about, you know, things down the line. So I know you mentioned earlier talking about, you know, hey, I'm going into these meetings, um, you know, with the kids, feeding them, um, you know, whatever the case is, you know, have you experienced pushback or from some of your clients or business partners where people kind of look at you a different type of way just because you're, you know, you're dealing with so much? You know what? Maybe people could say things behind my back, but they have never said it in my face. And I'm so honest that I literally, I literally took on a contract. This is hilarious though. Yes. I, and I did know, I mean, he knew my, of my work already. Yeah. I literally took on, I started a contract like days before I gave birth to my fourth child. I was sitting in a meeting, in a state meeting. Like I literally probably could have gone into labor. I think I was due on the 21st. I was in that meeting, like on the, it was in the teens. Yeah. I, I, I listen, I don't play, but the reason I was able to get that contract is because even though I was of course not available in person to do things, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And so I still got the contract and I still, you know, was able to perform and um, get results. And it was so funny because as I walked in there, I was just laughing. I was like, you know, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like this is my fourth go round. I'm good. I I know what I'm doing, you know? So um, I know what I'm doing, you know, with the family and I know what I'm doing in in business. But that was one of... being an entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur, that was definitely one of my motivators. Um, as my family grew, not wanting to have to deal with that, so I could still work around, you know, my schedule and not have to deal with those things because I do have, you know, colleagues who are doing really well in different corporate positions, but some left. Um, I actually had one who was amazing. She actually, um, I believe, was let go after her maternity leave, but she got another position that was even better. So it was like, okay, thanks. Thank you. You know, thank you for doing that. And so you do face so many things like that, but I haven't had to personally only because I set the trend and I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm my best self all the time. I'll say that. And and my authentic self. And so I don't think if people actually want to do business with me or operate that they, that would be something that would um, stop them simply because I get, I, I go to work and I get things done. Yeah. But, you know, so like I said, I haven't had to have those challenges because I have been full-time entrepreneur for quite some time, probably over 10 years. And then of course, working um, other positions and stuff in between and teaching and stuff um, in okay. the earlier parts. So, Mm-hmm. okay no 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 that, that makes sense and um you know thinking about um as you mentioned you said uh uh 14 years ago right 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, taking on entrepreneurship 14 years ago uh, with CEO, mom, empire, you know, what are some of the keys that, you know, um, you've had as far as being able to stay in business so long, you know, um, just consistent how technology changes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> unexpected pandemic that has, you know, hit us. Like, how have you been able to, you know, really remain successful through all these different things that have happened? And so, you know what? So CEO Mom Empire is actually my fourth company. So okay. my, fir- my very first company, um, it was called Creatively Strategic Solutions. And I was just going to change the world <laughs> with Creatively Strategic Solutions. Um, I did so much. But I, what I say, the biggest thing I learned in all these years was to stay in your lane. I was doing so many different types of consulting just because I was trying to, of course, pay the bills and I could do them. But you don't need to try to do everything, stay in your lane, do what you do. Great. But it takes time to get to that point. And I understand that because, you know, people still need to eat. And that's where I was in that phase right. doing things that I didn't want to do that. I was good. I was good at, but those things also, they allowed me to um, reap harvest from those things as well, because people just saw that I was going to complete tasks. Right. And mm-hmm. so that helped a lot with um, the referral based business and strong referral based business that I built even today. And um, there weren't a lot of people doing what I was doing. I really got a lot of mentorship wise. Um, There was nobody that looked like me that was doing what I wanted to do. And so I actually connected with somebody online and who I've still never met to this day. Her name is Sharon Dark. I never forget that we still connected on LinkedIn and everything, but she shared so many resources with me. She was so gracious to um, just give me things. And like I said, we still have never met to this day going on 14 years. And I probably met her right before even I launched on um, this site called Micro Mentors, which is so dope. And she was a mentor and she just gave me so many, inf- so much information. And then I went to a, another event in like 2008. It was a, I went to the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, but we have a Black Alumni Association and they had a reunion. And I actually met someone who had graduated probably, I don't know, maybe 18 years prior to me, I want to say. Um, Cause yeah. And but she was doing the marketing that I wanted to do. She was in Atlanta at the time and she gave me documents and just kind of, you know, gave me some some information. So I'm very grateful for those people because there weren't a lot of black women in the space that I was doing. It was mostly white men uh, that were doing this consulting and being a consultant as a black woman from the inner city. They were like, huh, you want me to pay you for your mind? Yes, you need results. Absolutely. And um, it made me think about something, you know, I had a guest on here not too long ago. Um, I think about a lot of uh, female friends that I have. And um, just because myself, I consider myself a person that I'm going to always network. I feel like God always sent people in my life at some time, the right time, the strangest time, mm-hmm. whatever the case is. But I know I've heard feedback from a lot of women in my circle that, you know, they have a hard time networking, gaining mentorship, um, you know, trusting women, jealousy, just different type of things. So, like, kind of offer some insight on, you know, how you, you know, went about and still go about networking to help, you know, you know, help with your business and your growth and everything. You know what? I, especially when I was teaching um, at the college level and speaking to young ladies in their early twenties, um, they seem to have like, they, they'll have that kind of same mentality. But what I would say is how are you now? It definitely, you can just have people who are rude people or not willing to help, you know, that definitely totally exists. And people who don't want you to give you information for fear that you may take their job or their position, that definitely exists. But it's really about how you present yourself and um, 
not begging for partnerships and friendships and relationships, but saying, you know, here I am, I add value. I'm amazing, you know, and that's how I always present myself. I literally can go in a room and I've never done that thing or whatever it is that I'm working on doing, but I've started it and I've done some, some things. So I just kind of speak to what I, I do and what I want to do and always in a very confident manner. I have definitely done the, what they say, fake until you make it. Um, yeah. I have definitely done that in certain rooms. And then once given the opportunity, I, I perform. But when it comes to meeting women and um, I, I don't have those challenges. I know people have those challenges. I have an amazing, um, amazing business besties that have become like sisters. And for those people who, I'm not supposed to connect with. I pray very specific prayers. Lord, send me those people that I'm supposed to, you know, connect yeah. with. Show me the people that um, mean me harm or that I, you know, should shy away from. And right. just really specific about those things. And yeah. with those prayers and really speaking that and being my authentic self and my best self all the time, I, I don't have those problems. I literally have people trying to befriend and connect even before me reaching you know, whatever those levels are, just because I'm the same all the time. Only thing changes is my vernacular or my, you know, my terminology in each room because it calls for it. Other than that, right. you're going to get the same Devin. Um, and so I think that's one thing that people are attracted to is I don't even know who said this, but basically real recognize real. And yeah, so, <laughs> you know, so <clears throat> that has really been a saving grace for me of just being myself and saying, hey, this is me. And if you want to connect, great. If it makes sense, if not, okay. <laughs> right, exactly. But for those people who are really having challenges, I would really say I will offer them the words of being confident in who they are and don't show up in spaces as if they don't belong because that's, that becomes very obvious to people. And people aren't, unless, unless I'll say unless you're something like me. Now, if I see someone who is kind of closed off and, and looks as if they feel they don't belong, I am definitely going to go talk to that person to make sure they know they belong. But not every room has a person that's willing to do that, you know? So, Absolutely. So you definitely need to show up as confidently as you can. Know that you are an asset. Know that you add value places you go. And if you haven't truly figured out what that value is that you can add places, start making a list. Write it down. Take it back old school. Get a pen and paper, you know, and write down those things that you know you're good at. So then when you go present the opportunity to talk about yourself, you can. Because sometimes right. it is difficult to talk about yourself. And even with all the things that I've done, <clears throat> I find it difficult to do that. Like, even as you were introducing me and talking, I'm like, yeah, I have done that. You know? Right, right, right. You know, and and being my being so modest that you need to shine. So yeah, just really showing up in confidence and knowing that you add value to the places that you're in and that you are needed and you're an asset. And if we can all as people walk in that mindset, we'll just be happier people because people will go in like, "Hey, I got something to add." Oh, I got something to add too. You know, it'll just be a better space. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. And, um, you know, something I'm noticing in your answers, you saying a lot, and I relate to it just based on how I was raised. Um, you know, I, I hear you keep saying prayers and God and things like mm -hmm. that. So talk about your faith and, and your faith relating to your business and your family and just everything that you have going on. Because, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, sometimes today, you know, with, with the world and everything, you have to be so careful. They try to silence politics. They try mm -hmm. to silence religion, you know, the whole nine yards. But. Um, you know, how I was raised, you know, by my grandparents, that's something that's before anything. So um, talk about that, you know, how that plays a role in your business and family. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
my faith, my beliefs. Um, I am a Christian. I was born and raised, look, in a Baptist church, and then later okay. as an adult joined joined a non denominational church. Um, and then now, 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 now where are you from again? What were you where are you from? So I am in the middle of the map. I'm originally from East St. Louis, Illinois. Um, my okay. office is in St. Louis, Missouri, but I'm I'm smack dead in the middle of the map. But what's so funny is that even my family that's in Chicago. They usually say, you so country, you know, people think I, <laughs> they're like, oh, you from the South. And I, even my, some of my other family, they say that my, I have a twang, more of a Southern twang than Midwest. Yeah, I was but... thinking Georgia. <laughs> That's what I was thinking was yeah, Georgia. Yeah, so, yeah. So I usually blend in most places South and I absolutely love Georgia. I love Alabama. I love Florida too. I love any place in the South and any place yeah. I'm going to see a lot of people that look like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But, um. Oh, you asked me a question. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know I cut you off, but you saying you were raised in a Baptist church. Yes. And so my family, I come from a family of ministers and stuff. So my, like, my great uncle was the pastor. My, so my, my grandmother, she was a, you know, a mother in the church. Um, I was in the choir. Um, I was in women's ministry. And what's so funny is that I don't know, you know, when that time is coming back, but I actually, as a early twenties, I was like, yeah, thanks, probably straight out of college. Mm-hmm. The my old pastor at the time was trying to get me to go into uh, evangelism training, and it was so funny because I, in my skills, you know, like when I, I am a part of a Christian sorority as well that I joined in college, but in my just who I am, I am an evangelist because yeah. I'm always sharing, um, sharing the word. I'm sharing the good news about, you know, life, business, everything. And so I'm always telling and spreading this. It's very important to me to not keep any information to myself, but to spread it. And so I said, maybe that'll, that'll come around, you know, a little later. But um, right now I just continue to do it the way that I'm doing it. Um, I haven't been called out in church in that manner. So I'm, I don't want, I want my pastor to get no ideas. <laughs> yeah, 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 gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but, you know, you can't hide, you can't run and hide from those things. Um, well, right. you can, you can try. You can try to run, but you cannot hide from those columns. But I, I've naturally always been an encourager. I've been real. I'm always going to share information and make sure that people have, you know, the best information possible to give them the best um, lives. And so so that people can be productive in their own lives, because when people are happier, they are happy. You know, they make others happy Like people don't understand that when you're doing something you love and right. you get to, you know, get paid from it or you get to. um just not be miserable in your day-to-day operations, it makes the world a better place. You know, it sounds corny, but it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's yeah. spot on, definitely. Yeah, you know, with um, everything you talked about so far, just with the family piece, the upbringing, um, you know, your personality, you know, you being who you are, your true authentic self. Um, let's transition and talk about, you know, uh, some of the work you're doing. You know, I want to ask, how have you been able to support, you know, women on a global level, you know, as it relates to their business strategies, kind of dive into that. Yes. Oh, I'm so super excited about this. So actually, uh, one week from today. So next week, I'll be headed um, back to Paris for um, an annual trip and business showcase for uh, beauty and beauty, wellness and um, fashion brands that I'll be hosting in Paris. I'll also be hosting a book signing um, in Paris as well. And in addition to that group of women that I'm taking, a group of black women that I'm taking, I'm also taking a group of students from Harris Stowe State University, which is um, nice. actually the only HBCU in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah in, I was in about to say HBCU. <laughs> yep, shout out yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. And so State University. So I'm super excited because I created an experience for them, um, along with my colleagues that are they're assisting me that are there on um, exploring the influence of the African diaspora on art, 
culture and the economy. And so mm-hmm. that I really want to offer to um, HBCUs and also take it back to high school students because I'm right. working on an initiative now to get um, just more students to study abroad and to go abroad um, before the age of 21. And of course, during college, because it, I wasn't, I was in my early thirties before I had my passport in my twenties, but I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> and so it wasn't until my 33rd birthday, actually it was my 33rd birthday went that I went to what two or three countries for that birthday with a friend of mine, who is my, I call him my my meetup buddy because we literally meet up in other countries. That's what we meet up. We don't even meet up in, in our yeah, own yeah. areas. We meet up in other countries. And from those experiences, um, it, it really changed my life and how I see the world. And I've always wanted to do it, but doing it is another thing. And I've mm-hmm. inspired other people to do the same. And I'm taking a, a children's trip, a mommy-daughter trip. Um, not mommy-daughter, but a mommy and me because they don't have to be a daughter. But next year, we're going to be taking children abroad as well so that they can get a leg up. We want them to be better than us. So they'll get a leg up on seeing the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And, um, you know, with all that stuff you're saying, you know, the global, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, while being a mom, just everything you said, um, what do you, you know, what's your, say, what are like, say three tips, you know, is overcoming fear because I feel like what you're saying, like everything you explain, a lot of people, like you say, want to do it. A lot of people talk about it. And a lot of people even get inspired to do it, you know, through others, but, they still may not take that leap of faith. So, like, what are, like, three keys that you have used, like, to really just be like, look, fear don't exist. I'm going to take this risk, and I'm going to keep moving forward. You know what? So, when I wrote, um, I did a workbook on procrastination, manifesting through procrastination. And mm-hmm. one thing I explained to people, what, what procrastination is, um, is literally, it's manifested in different ways and it's manifested in in fear you know when we're hesitant about doing things is because we're afraid when we don't do things is because we're afraid it's you know we can say it's because this i didn't have this no you were afraid because you could have gotten that but you were afraid and so i tell people to do it afraid my son was uh, first born i was accepted to a program to study abroad in london and i didn't i had him in march and i graduated that may and I didn't go because I was, I mean, I was a new mom and I know that I did, I had more than, you know, it, reason it wasn't just totally, totally, I was afraid to go, but I was a new mom and I didn't know anything about being a mother, of course, and as I was learning and I was like, okay, my mom can't go with me, I'm not going to go. And so in hindsight, I use that as, as an example that there was, they still wanted me, even though I had my baby, they was like, you can, you can bring your child with you. We have someone else that has a child, but I didn't go with me and keep it there because I won't ever let that repeat itself. And so I tell people to do it, do it afraid. Do it even if you don't say yes to the opportunity, even if you don't know how to do it. Literally say yes. We have access to more information than any other. Like at this date and time, we have access to more information than five years ago. People one year ago, you know, so you can learn how to do that. Accept the opportunity and figure out how to do it. And thirdly, I would say always be true to your core values and what you the dreams that you had as a child. So I'm walking in until God says different. Um, right now, it started um, towards the end of last year of me walking in childlike faith. And I say to have childlike faith, faith and to walk in childlike faith because when we were chil- children, we dreamt so big. We did things. We tried things at least once, whether it was eating Play-Doh or jumping off that one bridge and hurting, you know, hurting ourselves 
or putting uh red pepper you know on our tongue whatever that little it might seem silly but we did those things at least one time right and so we're only on this earth at this time in this body at this you know to with this mission one time so why not go ahead and have childlike faith and do those things that you want to do so have childlike faith and dream big in that way do it afraid and accept the opportunity and worry about how to do it later Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think about a, a, a quote one of my mentors told me in high school, Reggie Black, and um, he said, you know, he wants to dash between his birth date and death date to mean something. And it's mm-hmm. like, the only way that's really going to kind of happen is, you know, you take risks, you live life, you, like you said, just go out there. And like, it's true, you know, like you said, we're in the information age. So it's like, you know, you could be afraid or you could do this or you could guess, you could have a zillion questions, but nine times out of ten, those questions are like writing your hand on your phone where you could Google it or you could YouTube mm-hmm. it. You would connect with the person, you know, on social media. So definitely, definitely agree with you on that for sure. So, um, you know, what's next um, for, uh, you know, Mom and Pie? What, what are some things that are coming up? Um, you know, some ways that you're all expanding. Uh, there are kind of things, you know, in the works. Yes. Yeah, so right now I'm actually I'm working on finishing up um, an online course um, called Exploring Pathways to International Business. Um, how to take your business international or global within 90 days or less. So I'm finishing up that online course, and that'll be available um, on my website, devinmoodygram.com. Within the next few weeks, um, I'm also working to create a international business accelerator specifically for um, Black women in beauty, wellness, and potentially fashion brands. So I'm working on a pilot for that for this fall so that I can get money around that and to get more business going global because the goal is to help us to tap into more of the wealth that's out there with the two trillion dollar you know export and it's actually higher than that because that's not even counting people doing etsy and amazon and you know ebay and things like that and their their orders that they're shipping abroad there's only there's less than one percent that look like you and me that are making that money and even more so than that 95 percent of the world's customers are outside of the united states 95 percent so that tells you that there's a lot of money to be made outside of the united states yeah yeah absolutely so really tapping into that that's the, my goal or it's, it's really to tell people to tap into those things and bring more awareness to the fact that with these all of these federal agencies and state agencies that do this work there's still no pipeline to help people get from a to b if they don't already have a connection to another yeah. country so, yeah. yeah 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 definitely and, um, you know, before we close out, I'm just sitting here thinking everything we talked about, um, you know, thinking about the topic of moms and women with children and things. And um, something just that's dear to my heart because I'm also a product of it. Um, what are your what's your advice, you know, you have to teenage moms? And I say that because, you know, we're in a day and age with technology, information where, you know, you can start a business from your uh, couch on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Or you can start a business from your YouTube channel. So. You know, at the same time, we all know, you know, being a mom is hard, but we know being a mom at a younger age um, is going to be extremely much tougher. So what insight would you offer to those young teenage moms? So what I would offer. So first, um, I want to send like a virtual hug um, just to let you know whatever negative thing um, that people, whether it was somebody that was, uh, you know, family, it could be definitely could be family member because those things hurt worse. So whether it's family or friends or you know, anybody in authority figure or who you thought was your friend, whatever they said, don't believe it. 
because you have to define who you want to be. And especially now that you have um, a child, you have somebody that's looking up to you that doesn't know anything. They just know that they want you. Right. Right. So what I would just say is to let me um, first, you are worthy. You are enough. And then you can still move forward. I have very good friends who had their children in high school with me. They graduated have master's degrees, they have businesses, um, and some of them now are grandparents because their children are older than my son. They are doing amazing because it took a village. I remember giving a baby shower for a friend of mine, too, um, and people were like, why are you giving her a baby shower? She ain't even your girl for real. I had known her since third grade. I was appalled that nobody had planned one. And I didn't really care what anybody thought, any adults or anything, because my, my mom was a teen mom. She had my brother when she was in high school. And so when I said, Mom, I want to throw her a baby shower, she said, I didn't know nothing about baby showers. <laughs> I was yeah. sick. <laughs> but I said, Mom, can you help me throw it? And then she let me, my mom cook some food, and she let, let me, she gave me money, and I had some money, too, because I, uh, I had a job, and I and I stole candy, <laughs> too. But anyway, <laughs> she let me throw a baby shower, and so even her very close friends, they were like, why are you doing it? Like you were, So my thing was, why weren't you doing it? So I've always had a love for teen mothers. And she, to this day, is still one of the smartest people I know. She's a, a, a nurse practitioner and doing amazing. Um, and went to school, stayed in family housing, graduated. And she, I remember her saying something. You remember when you did that? She said about a couple years ago. I was like, yeah, I did it. God told me to do it. I did it. And she, and she felt loved and she felt supported. And... I want people, I want those mothers to get around people who make you feel loved and supported. Find those people who make you do that. Ask all the questions you need to ask. There are online resources um, for you. Reach out to me. I'm on Instagram, Devin Rudy Graham. You can shoot me a message, literally. Um, I've had former students that had children that I still talk to, and I point to resources and programs and anything that they need. But know that there is there are people that are rooting for you. Um, there's actually one of my birthday twins. She was a teen mom. She has a support agency for teen moms. She's in this area, but she knows of how the network works around multiple states. So there are resources for you. You can do it. You can make it, and you can still reach all the dreams you thought that um, were gone. No dream that you had is um, null and void, and it may be delayed by a little bit, but it's certainly not denied. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, wow, yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. And um, something I asked all the guests, you know, before we go, um, like I said, this is Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station. Something I live by um, is something I call, you know, Any Means. Um, it's like a hashtag I use. It's a mindset that I apply to things when I want to get things done. Um, it's taking me a long way. So I always ask the guests before they leave, you know, uh, think about a, a moment where, you know, you overcame something or a moment where you got a big win, um, you know, a moment where you just put everything until, you know, you were really focused that, OK, this is going to get done. And we call that an any means moment. Um, if you could just think about a moment, whether that was a deal you got with the client, whether that was uh, an event you planned or anything that, you know, you would define as your any means moment. So I have that right off the bat. My any means moment um, was actually when I decided to host a official launch event <clears throat> for my business in September 2009. And so during that time, it was we were actually a group of friends and I, we were going to go. My birthday is in October and we were had saved money so that we can go to Vegas for okay. our birthdays. And so August came around and I was like, 
Yeah, I, I, I ain't gonna go to Vegas. They're like, why not? I said, I want to use my money to plan a launch event for my business. And although my friends was like, huh, what, what? You know, because I was working on it, working on it. And they were like, huh, okay. So all my friends helped and they were hostesses and passed out bags and helped, you know, prepare things and everything I needed. Of course, they took off to Vegas, you know, a couple weeks later because I took my money to my first event which it was well attended and I'm so glad that I did it but let me tell you about that I launched my business um one of my very first clients um there was a conference he was it was a business I was doing marketing and HR for him do you know that my first Vegas trip was not my bless their heart because you know you do those broke trips in your early 20s you like all y'all sleeping in one room right 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 (laughs) So that was not my Vegas experience. My Vegas experience was seven days um, on a re- on a, a resort because he had like a timeshare. My airfare, all of that was paid because I had to attend a conference. It was an IRS conference going on at that time. And I was doing trainings and stuff like that. I went to a Cirque du Soleil show. I went to uh, um, to see Lion King. My food was paid for. Only thing I paid for was my shopping. So guess what? That sacrifice, and it was only the ne- it was the next year. So that next year in July of twenty ten, I that was my ve- my first basic Vegas experience. So I'm glad that I sacrificed that five hundred dollars that I had saved, got a space, got some food and some decorations, and hosted a event for my business because my business took me on an experience that they didn't have, and still to this day, most of them probably have never had that experience. So that was my first Vegas experience. And I'm glad that I did that by any means. And I was, I chose to invest in my, uh, my dreams. Okay. Oh, that's solid. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So yeah. Um, thank you so much. Um, you know, for the day, um, definitely love to have you here on the uh, podcast today. I think, you know, I've had some great guests, um, so far, but having someone specifically talking about entrepreneurship as well as being a mom, um, is great. And I think, you know, it's great too for, you know, because so, you know, today, you know, sometimes people look at like, oh, uh, I got to wait to have kids until I do my mm-hmm. goals or mm-hmm. I got to wait to have kids. And it's like, hey, like I always say, like, well, we can't wait till we 43, 45 to pop right. our first kid out. So having you coming on here, you know, just having a refreshing insight perspective on, you know, being a mom, but still, you know, being on your grind and being super ambitious. I think this is really great uh, for the listeners and, you know, the people who are parents or you know, plan to become parents. I know everyone will be inspired by this. So I really do appreciate your time and insight today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We got to get you back on here too. Like, you know, we, um, I have YouTube channel as well. Um, so, you know, sometimes we do, uh, the zoom or sometimes we do the things like that, but you know, today clearly we did the audio. Um, but definitely we got to do it. Or if I'm in St. Louis, you know, we do it, uh, do it in person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I also know too, you know, we did talk about a lot today, but I know you have a lot of more insight. Um, to offer specifically around you know the business strategy um, absolutely as a, uh, i have a yeah. ton of uh, <laughs> entrepreneurial women you know in my life for sure that i know could really benefit from that information yes thank you i really enjoyed um the show and i just want to encourage people to continue to dream by any means because like i said we're only here uh, in this body on this in this earth with this purpose you know this one time so you might as well make the most of it and it's okay to make mistakes just do yeah. it absolutely absolutely so appreciate you Devin. um i'll be in touch for sure and i uh, will stay connected all right thank you have a good one all right you too uh, yeah definitely so then we need somebody to look up to for 
who working hard and that shit paying off and they stand down, bent, you know, keeping faith, whatever, whatever, definitely look the edge, man. So, yeah, never give up on yourself, bro. A lot of us, you I mean, look up to you from a distance or up close, you know, for our own inspirations and to keep us motivated. So, yeah. Thank you for tuning into Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode. Welcome to the Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station. I'm your host, Ed Doxon. Today, I got a very special guest um, here in the building. Um, I think it's a familiar name, familiar face. Uh, you may have seen him with some of your favorite politicians. Um, you may have seen him at some of your favorite sports events. I still, to this day, ask myself, what does Josh do? I know what he do a little bit, but I really don't know what he do. So this is going to be an interesting interview, um, learning more about this. But um, in all seriousness, bro, you know, the purpose of this podcast when I started was me to really show and display my network. Um, people always ask, you know, how do you do this? How do you get this? How are you so successful? And I tell them, like, you know, the people that I've been able to meet along my journey has really been a part of my success. So a lot of people that have came on the show, people that I've known for years, um, amazing people that I met along the way. So I'm um, definitely happy to have you here, bro. Um, you can just introduce yourself briefly, let the people know who you are. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate it. Uh, it's good to catch up with you again. Um, my name is Josh Lopez, like you, uh, a native of Washington, D.C., uh, an entrepreneur, a business owner. Uh, I've worked in politics. I've done a lot. So, um, you know, I try not to limit myself to, yeah. uh, you know, one industry or kind of, uh, you know, one title. Right. Um, you know, we're as humans, we're constantly evolving. We're yeah. constantly changing. We're constantly learning new things. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and that's the one constant thing in life uh, is change. Absolutely. Uh, and so with that, man, I've been able to uh, to learn new things and get into different industries along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know, um, you know, just of course, like we've known yeah, those listening, we've known each other for some years. But, you know, I was just doing some research looking at your bio. Um, something that stuck out to me is like, you know, you've had your own um, business for about, what's about what, 14 years plus? Uh, I've gone full time as a business owner since 2015. OK. Yeah. Since 2015. Yeah. So. Um, with that, I know, and I say that because I know a lot of people listening, especially people my age, entrepreneurship is always a thing. People are like, I don't want to do the nine to five. I'm better than this and all that. Jump into, you know, that experience of like being a full-time entrepreneur. Man, it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, a bit of my background, uh, you know, kind of my life growing up, uh, my first job was at Safeway. Okay. Uh, and then Starbucks, I worked at Macy's, kind of unloading clothes, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, setting up the showrooms, that kind of stuff. Uh, and when I was 20, um, I got a really good opportunity to work as a summer intern uh, for Adrian Fenty, who mm -hmm. at the time was a council member, my yeah. council member in Ward 4. Right. Um, that summer internship, getting paid five bucks an hour, right, right. Uh, turned into a full-time job yeah. uh, while, I was going, uh, while I was attending UDC. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I stuck with him, uh, worked with him for two years when he was a council member, yeah. doing constituent services, doing uh, legislative work. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the chairman over human services. So I got right. an opportunity to learn how legislation is drafted, how laws are made, yeah. um, you know, the importance of engaging the community, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, he ran for mayor uh, and he won his election, becoming the youngest mayor in D.C. Right. Um, I worked on that campaign as well. Okay. Uh, so from there, uh, I worked at a community nonprofit for a couple years. Okay. 
uh, then came back and worked on his reelection campaign in 2010. Right. Uh, and after that, that's when I really got my first opportunity to jump into the private sector, nice. uh, where I worked for a commercial flooring company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I learned the industry of construction, mm-hmm. how things are made, how they're built, how uh, proposals are, are, are crafted, right, right, right. the whole bidding process. Yeah. Like, it's a pretty cutthroat industry. Right, right. Uh, so I learned that. Um, worked with this company for about four years. Yeah. And then I came back. Well, I never really left politics. So right. I was an ANC commissioner. Okay. Um, I was appointed to different committees and commissions by different mayors. Uh, and then Muriel Bowser uh, ran for mayor. And right. so I came back and worked on her campaign full time right. in 2014. Yeah. She won. Uh, and afterwards, uh, that's when I decided to start my own business. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you, man, it's, it, in the beginning, it, it was uh, definitely sleepless nights yeah yeah <laughs> you gotta wonder how you're gonna pay the bills right. uh, i had purchased my first home at the time okay i'm thinking down the line how am i gonna pay my mortgage um but you know you never try i mean you never know until you try yeah uh, and so i jumped out there I, I formed a couple different businesses doing um one around like uh political organizing uh working with campaigns mm-hmm. helping them craft messaging um helping them recruit people to do door knocking, yeah. uh, canvassing, that kind of stuff. Uh, and also got into government relations and business right. development. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I used the skill set, I used my understanding of how government works, how community engagement works. Um, and I looked at kind of the spectrum of the industry in DC right. in particular. Uh, and, I, and I saw that there was a need and there was a gap, especially for uh, black and brown owned um, construction companies yeah. and small businesses who may not necessarily have the resources to go out and hire right. a big K Street firm right, right, right. Uh, to you know do business development for them. Mm-hmm. So I said, look, this is a market that needs help. Um, I have a bunch of relationships that I've made over the years of folks who own businesses. And so I created my company and I literally just started knocking on doors, yeah. meeting with the owners of companies, letting them know uh, how I could be helpful in helping them grow their business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just kind of went from there, man. And yeah. the personal relationships, the people I met over the years uh, were the ones who gave me those first opportunities, those first contracts right. uh, to work with them. Right, right. Uh, fast forward, you know, what, seven, eight years, um, you know, I'm full speed ahead. I've got a team uh, that work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've expanded into different spaces as well. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been an amazing journey. Yeah, yeah. And I think about something, you know, you mentioned in just your background. It's like, you know, from D.C., went to school in D.C., went to UDC, and in the midst of that, you know, being involved. And I say that to say it's because I know a lot of people could relate like me. And we went away to college and we came back home every time. We're like, damn, the city's changing. Damn, it's something new. Damn, it's something new. So like, how in the midst of, you know, the gentrification and everything, like, just you being there in that space, like, how did you kind of, you know, figure out, like, okay, I'm here, I'm not going to let this affect me and feel like, all right, damn, the city's changing, I can't keep up. But, like, what, like, made you jump in and feel like, all right, let me jump in and be a part of this process? Like, yeah. was it after the internship in the full, uh, full-time role with Fenty that kind of made you, like, spark their interest and stay in it? Definitely. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I probably didn't take the traditional route of, yeah. you know, going, leaving D.C., going to college. And I encourage people to leave the city yeah. uh, and, and get that experience of living outside of where you may have grown mm-hmm. up. Um, for me, it was a little bit different because I always worked full time and I was going to school full time at the you know, same time. Yeah. Uh, so I'd take classes at night. 
or I'd take a class during the day, uh, come back to work, mm -hmm. then go back to school at night. And UDC was very flexible in that sense. And, yeah. Um, I always say that UDC really opened the door for me to enter into the middle class. Mm -hmm. uh, and so early on, I recognized, um, as we all did, that DC is going through this huge transformational change. I mean, there's tons of new economic development projects. There's a new population coming into the city. Um, there's a new industry that's coming out. I mean, there's a the whole new workforce yeah. that's taking place. And I said, look, well, what's going to make us competitive? Right. You know, one, you need a college degree. Mm -hmm. uh, two, you have to have some skin in the game. Yeah. You, know, you can't just be on the sidelines looking at all this change taking place. Right. You got to be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I made a conscious decision uh, to, to be a part of it, mm -hmm. you know, to be a part of the growth of D.C. Uh, and, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, hand ups and not handouts. Right. You know, economics is, is what makes us relevant in this space. Mm -hmm. You know, having money gives us the opportunity to buy a home, mm -hmm. you know, enter into home ownership, start your own business, take care of your family. All the important things that all of us are working towards. Yeah. If we're on the sideline and we're not getting skin in the game, we're going to get left out. Yeah. Uh, and as a D.C. native, I feel it's important for us, especially speaking as a small business owner, uh, to be a part of the growth of the city. Mm -hmm. There's no reason we can't be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, man, I know, like, you know, for those listening, your experiences, you've, you've worked with three uh, mayoral administrations, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's like a lot. Um, like, I think, you know, going through the gentrification, we're going from Fenty to Bowser. Um, in your experience, like, you know, being a political strategist, like, what are, what is the, like... Like, how do you stay afloat? And I say stay afloat because, like, those that's like, D.C. politics is cutthroat. You know what I mean? Like, it's cutthroat. Very, very. People are very judgmental. Um, people may, you know, feel a type of way about you just based on your affiliation, those type of things. So, you know, being in that space and being a native, how do you kind of, like, you know, make sure it's like, okay, I'm from here, um, but I'm also connected to this policy. I'm seeing a bigger picture. But, like, how do you kind of make sure, you know, still right, kind of stay right. abreast of that? I mean, you're right, man. It's, it's a cutthroat industry. You know, I've, I've had my fair share of, uh, you know, folks attacking me, yeah. uh, mislabeling me, you know, pretty much trying to take me out of the game. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm driven by my love of the city. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, D.C. gave me an opportunity. D.C. gave my family an opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, you know, with, a, with a, a newborn, a daughter, I want her to be a part of the city. So yeah. I'm driven by my love of, of D.C. Yeah. Uh, and so I think with kind of that level of energy that I bring, um, man, you just gotta, you just gotta weather the storm. Yeah, you yeah. know, that's, that's, you know, politics is not easy by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, things change, right? Different yeah. mayors come in, different council members come in, different directors of agencies, stuff changes. But, you know, if you keep your foot, if you keep a foot in the game, some skin in the game, you know, you're, you're going to outlive all the bad yeah. stuff. No, for sure. Uh, but again, man, it's DC is home for me. So I, I can't even imagine, uh, a time uh, where I'm a step away from from politics. It's it's something that's in the blood. Yeah. Um. You know, I've I've been in it so long now. I mean, officially about 18 years now. Yeah. Um. But you know, I even got started as a teenager when uh, Anthony Williams appointed me to a commission uh, okay. working on juvenile justice issues. Wow. So you know, I I feel like this is something that I'm going to be doing for the rest for of rest my of life. life. Yeah. You know, whether directly or indirectly. 
um, you know, as as a business owner, why yeah. it's important, right? I mm-hmm. mean, politicians make decisions that impact business owners, yeah. uh, that impact homeowners, right? Or just an average person who just pays taxes in the city, yeah. right? I mean, all this stuff, all these decisions that they make impact you. Yeah. Uh, so it's important to at least be, if you're not going to be directly involved, you gotta uh, be aware. Yeah. Right. You got to be aware. You got to know what's going on. Uh, it's when you get completely detached that decisions get made that impact you directly yeah. and you know you look up and you're like how did why and how did this happen yeah. well it happened because we weren't engaged right, right. we weren't a part of the process mm-hmm. um, and so it's important for us to to never never stop doing that yeah yeah not for sure man and um next question i want to ask is kind of you mentioned a business owner just like doing research on your background i know you have a lot of experience with business development corporate um, not corporate or community and government relations but as well as local businesses so, you know, being in D.C., as we know, you know, everything's expensive. Um, there are tons of business coming in. Everyone from the world is moving to D.C. Um, when it comes to those local businesses, those homegrown businesses, like what's the what, what is being done, I would say, to kind of make sure like, you know, they still have a spot here. Like if someone, you know, the small businesses in Ward 8, mm-hmm. um, some people got impacted by the pandemic. Um, I know there's been different policy through Mayor Bowser and things like that. But what are some things that, you know, you would say like it's been an effort put into like helping yeah, those businesses sure. stay alive? Uh, so one thing that I've seen firsthand, I mean, we'll, we'll, two separate things happened, yeah. right? There was uh, support from the federal government, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I think it started with Trump and continued with Biden. Uh, there were these, you know, PPP loans and different right. small business grants that I think were super instrumental in helping uh, businesses stay open, keep the lights on, keep people on payroll. DC government also had similar programs as well. Uh, and so, you know, we have to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. Uh, D.C. government, I think, really made a, a strong effort uh, to support businesses during, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic right. uh, that kept people going. Uh, and so we've kind of weathered that storm. D.C. is opening back up again, or it is open. Mm-hmm. Businesses are booming. Uh, again, it, we just have to make sure we're a part of that growth as well. Uh, and so there's, you know, you look at D.C., we, and we talked about D.C., you know, having so many opportunities um, and a lot of support, right? Yeah. So there's small business grants. Um, you know, there's uh, there's professional support as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you start a business, or how, what does it mean to start a business? How do you operate a business? What does it mean to meet payroll? How do you make sure you're paying your taxes? Right. Basic things uh, that, that will keep you going. DC has a lot of that institutional support, whether through the small business, uh, DSLBD, mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch of community-based organizations that also help with businesses. Uh, and DC, I think, has continued to provide grants. Mm-hmm. One thing that I love, now that I live in Southeast and Ward 7, Mayor Bowser has created a grant that's giving up to half a million dollars to folks who wanna open up uh, a coffee shop, you know, a sandwich shop, anything related to food and beverage for Ward 7 and 8. As we know, you know, these areas have been historically underinvested for generations. Right. Now there's an intentional effort to say, look, Ed, you have a great idea. You want to open up a business. DC will help you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think DC, we're, we're in a really uh, interesting situation, right? All this transformational change, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of support out there that could help you be a part of that change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have to be intentional. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Because it's, um, you know, like I, I just say all the time, it's just like the city's moving so fast. And, um, you know, I, mean, I'm, I have debates with people a lot of times. And sometimes I think it's people just aren't, like you said, aren't aware. 
or people may just from the outside looking in. Or like even now with, with social media, people may see a clip or they see a tweet and they just run with it. But it's like, hey, are you investigating like what's actually being done, exactly. where dollars are being put? And now after you tell them, it's like, oh, that kind of makes sense. So um, with, with that experience, too, I know you also have a global experience on a political level, so, you know, international. So like what is the difference between and similarities between those international and domestic campaigns and like political advising that you've done? Man, you know, I, I really owe everything to my experience in D.C. politics. Mm -hmm. uh, that actually gave me the legitimacy and the leverage to be able to meet folks overseas mm -hmm. who, you know, when I speak to them and they get to know me, you know, they're completely fascinated with the fact that, you know, I've worked uh, on two mayoral campaigns yeah. for the mayor of Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes we take for granted, oh, it's D.C., it's home. Yeah, you just think it's normal, right? right? I used to be like that. To, um, I was in grad school and, uh, when I was in HR class. And the guy, like my teacher, he told me, he said, you know, the only other city that's maybe like bigger than D.C. He said, and he was, I'm thinking about New York, L.A. He was the only other place. He was like London. He was like, it's D.C. and London. Like he was telling me, he's like, those are like the two places you want to be. Exactly. And I'm just thinking, like, man, it's home. Like, you know, but it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you think of, you know, folks overseas when they hear Washington, D.C. It's like, yeah. well, this is the seat of uh, political power in the United States. Mm -hmm. On top of every country having an embassy in Washington, right, right. On top of you know the World Bank, IMF, yeah, Inter-American Bank, you know, every big major corporation having a presence in the city. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a reason Amazon set up their kind of second headquarters right. in DC as well, or in the region. Yeah, um, and so you know, I think again that puts us in an even more competitive position to take what we have, what we've learned through DC and like expand into different markets. Yeah. Right. Going into a room uh, and, and being someone from Washington, DC, you're going to be treated a little bit different mm -hmm. uh, than someone from Philadelphia yeah, or yeah. Baltimore, you know, no pun intended to those cities, but yeah. you know, there's a little bit more gravitas to, you know, being from Washington, DC. No, absolutely. And, and I think even us, uh, not just like being how we accept it, but just us too, that DC mentality, that DC confidence, like everywhere we go. Like I meet people all the time and they just be like, man, you know, how y'all talk, what y'all say, how y'all carry yourselves. And it goes from like business level, even down to on the street level, like people tell you it's nothing like a DC person. Like you know they're like super unique. And that's something like I pride myself on, like even just moving around. Like people are like, man, how can you be there alone? It's like if you could grow up in DC, you could do yeah, whatever. Uh, like DC is a special <laughs> city, man. DC is a special city on on so many levels, right? Yeah. We know the national aspect and the international aspect of it, the Capitol and the yeah. White House, but on, even on a local level, what DC means, what it represents, uh, you know, historically, what it was and what it is for. Black Americans, yeah. right? It's, it's the place where people were able to go get a job, you know, get into the middle class. That's right. where Marion Barry became yeah. you know, this powerful figure. Yeah. You know, he created so many black businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, and for, I think for Hispanics, right, it was the same same way through the 70s and the 80s. Like, DC is this almost mecca. Of right, like, right. Hey, if we can get there, we can plant roots. Exactly. You know, we, can, we can work, we can support our families. Um, you know, it's, it's a Economically, it's very interesting too, right? So it's the seat of the federal government. So right. we're almost a bubble in a sense where yeah. the rest of the country might be going through some economic downturn. DC kind of just always continues to grow and always continues to kind of build. Yeah. Uh, and so for us to be a part of that, man, it, it's a special thing that we shouldn't uh, lose sight of. Yeah, no, nah, for sure, man. And, um, you know, talking about it, DC, talking about the city, 
Um, I think something that's important to talk to for the listeners, even for myself, because I think I, I, I'm aware of it, but I need to do more research about it. Let's talk about DC statehood. Um, I know this is something that's been a push for a while. Um, I know when I was a MOCA working with Mayor Bowser, um, it was a big push, you know, 51st state. Um, now we see the shirts, we see the things come out of the mail, we see it continue to come up. Um, and sometimes people think, you know, even I remember myself, like, you didn't know about it. But I remember when we was in school, we like, nah, we don't need no DC state. They're going to take away DC tag. You know, we like, forget that. But talk about the importance of us going from a city to a state and why that's being pushed so hard. I mean, it's, you know, where it's, there's hypocrisy uh, even within our system, right? Yeah. Taxation without representation. Mm-hmm. Washingtonians, we are U.S. citizens. You know, we participate uh, in this country, we, you know, the United States. We pay our taxes. Uh, some of us go and sign up for the military. You know, we do everything that any other citizen in any other state has. Yeah. Yet we have no voice yeah. on Capitol Hill mm-hmm. uh, when federal decisions are made. Right. Right. Crazy. And so, you know, zero voice uh, on the Senate, in the Senate. In the House, we have Eleanor Holmes Norton. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on who's in power, Democrats on power, she has a voice in committee. Right. But she doesn't have a, a voice uh, with with all the overall votes. Yeah. So we're disenfranchised in that sense. Uh, the federal government, you know, taxes us a lot, uh, yet we have no input in any of the decisions that are made. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's unjust. Mm-hmm. It's an un- unjust thing, and I'm glad to see awareness grow over the years, right? Mm-hmm. This was something, I'm sure when we were younger, yeah. rarely talked about. Yeah. Uh, we probably had little understanding of it. Uh, right. And now, kind of in our adulthood, uh, I know this mayor and other folks have made it a mission uh, to raise awareness, support groups that are fighting for this. It's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully we'll be able to achieve a victory at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, not for sure. How, how would you say, you know, like, one to five, like, how close are we to it? Like, is it still more of a fight to keep going, or? Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be hard. I mean, you're run. talking about disrupting uh, a national political model, right? Yeah. Republicans, uh, you know, they don't want to, you know, right. DC's a heavy Democratic city, yeah, right? Sure. It's just a fact. You know, re- Republicans don't want two additional Democratic senators. Yeah, they don't yeah. want more Democratic congressional folks, so they're going to block it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the Democrats, I think, have dropped the ball too. Mm-hmm. National Democrats, uh, it's not at the top of their list of priority of things to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when there have been opportunities to do good things for the city, uh, you know, they haven't been there to support us. Yeah, uh, but I know uh, Congresswoman Norton has been a fighter. Uh, and so there's some, there've been some small victories that hopefully we can achieve, um, you know, in the near future. I yeah. know there's a bill right now to give the mayor of D.C. and this is a, a good example of where statehood comes into play. Mm-hmm. Every state in the country they have a national guard. Yeah. That reports directly to the governor. Okay. D.C. is the only only national guard that does not report to the highest local political office, which in D.C. would be the mayor. Okay. The National Guard reports to the president, wow. D.C. National Guard. Wow. And that's <laughs> why you had what happened in January 6th happen. Yeah, right? yeah, I remember. That's why the National Guard didn't come in uh, and clear out the Capitol. Because mm-hmm. they reported to, at the time, President Trump. Right. So, you know, orders were given. Mm-hmm. No one shows up. Uh, and crazy. so, you know, <laughs> that could have been prevented if, you know, the, if D.C. had control over mm-hmm. the National Guard. Uh, that's a statehood issue. Mm-hmm. There's a bill. There's a bill right now that may that may pass that would give that authority over to the mayor. To the mayor, yeah. Um, and so that's just one kind of just example of how statehood has a negative impact on us. Yeah. Um, another thing, every law that we pass as mm-hmm. DC has to go to congressional review. Right. Right. So we can't pass a law and just 
you know, it's, it's that law. law. Right. It, has, yeah. it goes to Congress where they have the authority to stop that law, yeah. to block it, or do nothing, and then it becomes. Yeah, it's law almost like somebody holding your hand, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, we're treated almost as a child. Yeah. Um, when we're we're a functioning city, or you know, we have one of the strongest economies in in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing well on many levels uh but you know it's it's a continued fight that that we got to keep pushing yeah yeah and and speaking of all just everything you said i'm like son i read your bio something i didn't know how did you know what role does home and you got your master's in homeland security yeah so what role does that play in everything that you're doing yeah man so it, it's interesting right so i got my bachelor's in history mm-hmm. uh and i i chose homeland security for the very same reason i picked history yeah uh, it was a topic that was intriguing to me and I figured, hey, if I'm going to sit in the classroom for right. a few years, <laughs> uh, let me pick something that I'm intrigued by. Yeah. Um, and Homeland Security uh, encompasses a lot, right? It encompasses uh, intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it encompasses um, emergency response, yeah. right? Uh, immigration, uh, you know, laws around security. Mm-hmm. And I was just really fascinated by the industry. Um, and so I picked that. You know, yeah. UDC offers uh, that as a... As a a master's course right uh and so it was just it was intri- it was an intriguing um degree i would say i was probably one of the only civilians that in is. that program <laughs> all my colleagues like worked in the military or yeah. worked in intelligence or were first responders okay. so i learned a lot about that and and i'd say that's where i kind of developed my appreciation for public safety and the right. importance it plays uh in our society yeah. right if, if we're not safe um, you know, that impacts everything. It impacts yeah. you as an individual, it impacts your community, it impacts business. Uh, and so, you know, unless we have a safe society, all those things kind of struggle. Right. Um, so yeah, I was just really just intrigued by, by the industry and uh, I chose to get a degree in it. And it was, it's a, it was an amazing thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's solid, bro. And like I said, just crazy how like that relates to like the stuff that you got going on today, yeah. like on an uh, international and, you know, local level. For sure. I mean, yeah. definitely around public policy for sure. Right, um, right. You know, uh, Homeland Security, again, it encompasses everything, right? Immigration, mm-hmm. you know, public safety in communities, you know, these super hyper-local things yeah. to, like, super national stuff and even international. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, view it, I just viewed it as a way to kind of grow my understanding of how decisions are made, why decisions are made, mm-hmm. uh, and just a, in a specific way. Yeah. And, and you know, talk, talk, touching on public safety, we talked about this before we um, you know, started recording for those listening. When we talk about D.C., we know D.C. is um, no stranger to violence, um, but I also know with your background of having, you know, contact with other political um, administrations in other urban cities that's maybe nearby Baltimore or, you know, that's going through the same thing. Um, in your experience, what have you, what strategies or approaches have you saw, you know, seen that works to kind of really address that violence? Because, you know, we're not the only city that's going through it, but since you kind of like, like you said, you know, you met these different people that are over here. I'm sure you've been to some mayoral conferences, all those different types mm-hmm. of things. Um, what are some approaches that you've seen that's, that's worked that you know kind of like really think that can help us? Yeah, I think DC has kind of been on the forefront uh, in terms of looking at alternative ways to deal with violence. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, I was arrested, uh, mm-hmm. and instead of being sent to jail, I was sent to a community program at the Latin American Youth Center, mm-hmm. uh, and then from there they put me into a youth leadership program. It really kind of helped me grow my understanding of just being a young man in society. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, I'm not of the mindset of only police can deal with it, but at the same token, you need accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's where we've kind of moved away from that in, as a society, um, where you know people do bad things. You, we need to sit you down for a little bit. Yeah. You gotta go to time yeah. out. You need help. Yeah. Whatever that help looks like, mm-hmm. the answer shouldn't be 
we're just going to give you a slap on our wrist. You can continue to do whatever you're doing. Yeah. You're right back out in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately, I think that approach uh, has taken root in a lot of cities where, mm -hmm. you know, we're so concerned with, uh, you know, being so woke and looking like you're, you know, morally superior mm -hmm. that we've moved away from holding folks accountable. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, reforming people too, right? Getting yeah. them the help they need so they're productive people in society. Yeah. DC, again, I think has been on the forefront of, you know, violence interrupters, yeah, uh, yeah. but that's not the only solution. You do need a law enforcement component as well. Right. You do need to make sure that courts are holding people accountable yeah. and sending them to the places where they could get the help. Yeah. So it's it's not just one way to do it. You, you have to look at it kind of holistically. Yeah. I think as a society, though, we, we've moved away from that. You know, yeah. accountability, you know, should be an important thing. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking about that because I think about some of my moker days, and I want to ask you, is this related to the statehood issue as well? You know, we would go to some of these town halls and residents would say, you know, hey, why is this person, um, this person has committed crimes, you know, 30 times, why do they keep coming back home? And, you know, the response from the council members and different people, they would be like, hey, the U.S. Attorney General's office, it's on them. And I remember a representative that would be there and he would be giving his spiel mm -hmm. and pretty much MPD and they're like, hey, it's out of our hands. We're doing our job. But is that related to the statehood thing too? Absolutely, man. So we actually, so D.C. structure is weird. Uh, if you are under 18, mm -hmm. um, crimes are prosecuted by the local Attorney General. Mm -hmm. If you're over 18, they're prosecuted by a federal. That's right. Everybody goes attorney. to the feds over anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, those prosecutors are not really accountable to D.C. residents. They're yeah. federal appointees. Um, and so that is a statehood issue because okay. we don't, we can't hold people accountable who are supposed to be prosecuting right. crimes. Right, right. Right? And so I think there was a study done, and, and, and I'm probably off a little bit, but in D.C. they can tie like 90% of, of like the gun violence to around roughly 400 individuals in the city. Mm. So you got around 400 people, give or take whatever the number is, yeah. doing 90% of the violent crime. So yeah. this isn't like some crazy, you know, formula. We're trying to figure out how to do this. Like we right. know who the people are right. who are doing it. Like yeah. you know, if, if you are a victim of gun violence or a perpetrator of it, more than likely you've been arrested a number of times. Yeah. And for some reason, you're right back out. Yeah. Uh, and so that, again, that level of accountability is missing. If we had an approach to you know help and hold those folks accountable, again, you'd see ninety. You see a ninety percent dip. Yeah. In gun violence in the city, man. Yeah, and, and it's crazy, man, because I think like they always say, history repeats itself, right? Because I look at it from my perspective, it's like now that's the like so pretty much you know we talk about mass incarceration, and we know now that's the thing that everyone's rallying for, saying, hey, you know, back then. Some people got sentenced or these bills were wrong. But now I'm seeing this community now saying, hey, we want tougher sentences. We want tougher laws. But for myself, I feel like the next 20 years, like I feel like it's going to repeat itself. Mm -hmm. In 20 years, those offenders that are arrested, people are going to say, hey, they may have like, you know, we may have put these sentences down too hard. So it's like, it's like, how do you win? You know what yeah, I mean? In this tough, situation, like. But what I think is there's a, there's a conflation there, right? And so. Was it right to send people to jail for 20 years for a bag of weed? Absolutely not, mm -hmm. right? Should people be ser serving long sentences for nonviolent offenses? Yeah. Absolutely not. But if you're going around shooting people... If you're John people, Wick, you might need to go sit down. Right, if, you're if you're shooting people repeatedly, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, there, there's, there's clearly something not right there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I don't have the, 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 the final answer, but I do know you don't belong in public. Right, right. Like, I think we can all agree that yeah. you should not be out in the community 
you know, have any opportunity to commit that very same violent offense over yeah. again. Uh, and so, you know, where do we draw the line as a right. society? Where do we say, okay, you know what? You're someone, you made a mistake. Um, we can get you on a path. We can put you in a program. We can get mm-hmm. you in an opportunity to do something different in life versus someone who just repeatedly is doing something yeah. negative and hurtful, you know, that's that's impacting the community in a really, really bad way. We have to be able to look at that and say, all right, these are two different completely situations. Yeah. And not just conflate it all together uh, and put everyone in the same box. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Because, like, some of my friends, we, we always talk about this stuff and one day we was in the chat. We was like, hey, bro, we got to be real. Some people need to go to jail. <laughs> it's like, I mean, everybody you know, can't be free. <laughs> there, was, there was the instance right now, you know, of, of No Savage. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You know, the rapper out Crazy, of DC, man. You know, up-and-coming, talented artist. And, you know, the guy, you know, shoots off a gun at mm-hmm. a mall in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I'm reading the story. And then it turns out that he was caught with, uh, with, with a gun, I guess, shooting a gun or got caught with a gun in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, released. they did tweet his rap sheet. It was pretty long, yeah. Same offense again in 2020. So you got to think, in his mindset, he's probably thinking, I can continue to do this right, right. Uh, and not be held accountable for it. Or, hey, it's okay, nobody cares. Right. You know, why didn't he get the support or help he needed in 2019 or in 2020? Yeah. Apparently, he's arrested, he's released, and then you have a situation where... because. No rational person would ever shoot off a gun yeah. in the mall. Yeah, that right. Was, you know, that, that, there's something clearly wrong there. But yeah. you know, he was failed. The system failed him. Yeah. Know, he wasn't given the help he needed. He wasn't held accountable. Yeah. And fast forward now, you know what was possibly could have been an incredible career. Yeah. The music industry has been cut short. Yeah, and, and it's like you know, just thinking back to the state of the thing. That was the talk on Twitter. The first thing people were saying, they're like, "Oh, this is the jam." You know, they're like, "This is not going to come." You know, this is not going to play out good. Yeah. You know, but like if it was in D.C. or something, granted, you know, still a bad crime, but V.A. You know, Florida, these states are known to like really prosecute to the fullest extent of the law. So. I remember, man, it, it was, yeah, I remember just seeing that on Twitter and people was like, Virginia, like, you done. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think people who, who break the law, they also recognize that, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's actually been an interesting trend where people who are breaking the law run to D.C. Yeah. You know, so they commit a crime in Virginia or Maryland, they yeah. try to make it to D.C. Wow. They, you know, they might, they're hoping that they'll get a more lenient yeah, yeah. or something, <laughs> right? And so... We, we need to recognize that there, yeah. there, there's a gap there somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and, and fixing that should be a priority. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's important for us to to one help as many people as we can, but also keep people safe. Yeah. You know, like let's not keep people in a, in a dangerous environment mm-hmm. uh, because we don't want to hold people accountable. That, yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, nah, for sure, man. It's absolutely. Um, as we you know, before we close out, man, like I said, you've been worked with three administrations. Um, been a face, been a super supporter of the green team. And it's something that I see daily. And I said, I have to ask Josh. I see, I see you, got, you got your green shirt. Right, right. <laughs> I said, I have to ask Josh if I see this. How do you keep up with all of the online commenting about the green team? Because I see you in them comments and you be going yeah, ham. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. how do you get these alerts? Is it like you just find it, people send it to you, or you well, just need to say it on the ground? <laughs> I mean, mo- mo- most of the time, it's like, uh, it's a certain group of, of folks, and you know, I, I kind of make light of them. I call them latte liberals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> they're always the ones kind of jumping in my mentions, attacking me, attacking folks I know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, for me, it's it's kind of just a, a hobby. I make I make yeah. kind of uh, 
a joke out of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look, man, I think social media plays an important role. It doesn't. Um, it's unfortunate that a lot of misinformation gets spread. You know, yeah. it's, uh, and, and I kind of view it as uh, my little part in just countering some of the lies that are put out there. Yeah. Because um, a lot of a lot of the time it is lies. It's yeah, made yeah. up stuff. There's a political agenda right. behind. When you see Fox tweet something or put yeah. something out, you yeah, already whether know. Whether it's Fox, <laughs> whether it's you know someone who's affiliated with another politician. Yeah. You know, my thing is like, let's be honest here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like let's let's look at something objectively. Uh, let's not try to rip somebody down just because you don't like them. Yeah. Know, just because yeah. they're oh they're affiliated with the mayor or they're part of this team, uh, and so yeah, I, I get a lot of that pushback. Uh, but, you know, I, it's kind of a, a fun exercise for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'll be seeing you on it, bro. <laughs> like, Josh, <laughs> be on it. But, um, man, thinking about everything you have going on, um, being a leader, being in that space, something you mentioned earlier, and I definitely got to ask this, you know, how has fatherhood, you know, changed just your perspective just on everything you have going on from the political scene to your career to how you move? Because, I mean, I don't have kids, but I know a lot of influential people in my life. Once they become dads, you know, I've seen that yeah. kind of just alter them in a good way. But, like, how is it, like, shape your just perspective on life, man? Well, everything you do becomes bigger than you. Yeah. You know, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it of, all right, how do I make sure my daughter has uh, a better life than what I had? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and so, you know, my story, my mom came here uh, in the 70s. Okay. And literally came with $100 to her name mm-hmm. and a bag of clothes and kind of worked her way up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she was a nanny, she was a house cleaner for about 40 years. Um, and she planted roots in DC, that's where I was born. Uh, and so her big thing for me was like, let me give my son, make sure he gets a good education. Yeah. She had a, she only made it up to the sixth grade before she had to drop out and start working. Uh-huh. And so her whole thing was, how do I make sure you know, my son can do much more than what I could have ever dreamed and achieved? Mm-hmm. You know, and, I was able to go to college, I was able to get my master's, I was able to buy a home, I was able to create a real estate portfolio, start my own businesses, and now I'm thinking, all right, what can my daughter do that I was never able to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, everything that I'm doing right now is like yes. completely focused on like making sure that she's good for the rest of her life. Yeah. So, it, uh, you know, it just it just kind of rearranges your, your wires a little bit, mm-hmm. like your focus becomes on like a, a, a life that you've got to support. Right, right. So it's, it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, I love my daughter so much. And yeah. man, it's just, it's an it's a amazing journey. Yeah, yeah. Nah, that's what's up, bro. Like definitely congrats again. On thank that. you, thank you. And um, I ask the guests, every guest that comes on here, um, it's something I call it any means moment. So, you know, with dreams by any means, I end every episode, it says hustle plus faith equals success. So just kind of think about a moment where, where it was an any means moment where you might've overcame a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been through working on a campaign, but just like there was a goal that you set out and you went around every roadblock to make that happen. Yeah, man. It was, I would say, graduating college. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, I remember a time in high school where college wasn't even a thought. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, this is so out of reach. Like, you know, my, my family, no one's ever gone to college. Those mm-hmm. around me aren't going to college. Uh, and, you know, it's, there were so many instances where I'm like, why am I even still here? I'm working, like, yeah. I just work all the way and, like, not, not worry about school. So, right. it took me a little bit longer to graduate. Yeah. You know, again, I'm, I'm going to school, I'm working. Yeah. Uh, but kind of achieving that was just, like, it was such a big thing, personally, and, and even for just my family. That yeah. It's something that we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I always encourage uh, young people, go to college. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's bigger than just getting a degree. Yeah, yeah. 
college puts you in an environment of peers yeah. who are going to go off and do great things. Thanks. So, like, you get introduced to a whole new group of different people who one day might become lawyers, might become doctors, might become directors of agencies. Yeah. These are people you never would meet outside of a college exactly. environment. Mm-hmm. So, even just that social environment outside of the academics, it puts you in a different place where, as an adult, now your social network is like professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, that to me was the biggest gain, uh, you know going to college of like, wow, and I have a completely different network of people that are different from the people I may have grown right, up with. Right. Um, so going through that challenge, achieving that, putting myself through school yeah. um, was is something that- And you said was working too, I couldn't imagine working, that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I graduated with zero debt uh, with my bachelor's, a little bit different with my master's, yeah, yeah. but you know, that, that's something I'm proud of, man, that yeah. uh, certainly wasn't wasn't easy, but uh, it, was, it was a defining moment in my life. And so I'm always super grateful for, you know, to UDC for giving me that opportunity mm-hmm. um, and, um, you know, for putting me on a, just a, a different trajectory in life. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Yeah. But yeah, bro, um, this is great. Like, you know what I'm saying? Great conversation for sure, bro. Glad to have you on here. Um, I know a lot of listeners will definitely benefit from this. And like I tell every guest, like, always welcome to come back. It's Thank funny, you. y'all, to listen. You know, we're doing this in Miami. We're supposed <laughs> to do this in D.C. I end up coming back. He's like, well, I'm in Miami to Monday. I'm like, perfect. You know what I mean? So we definitely made yeah, it happen. That just tells you Washingtonians, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we think globally. Yeah. Right? Uh, and, and so we live in a global city. We should think globally. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I left this part out. Uh, you know, I've been to 60 countries. Mm. I've been to six continents. Um, you know, that's, that's something that I felt I missed out in college, right? Yeah. So I didn't get to leave D.C. Uh, but once I got to a point in life where I could travel, I'm yeah. like, let me make the most of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I encourage people to, to expand your horizons. Mm-hmm. Don't limit yourself to, you know, one particular city or state. Like, get out as much as possible. Not, not only in the United States, but around the world. Yeah, it's the it world, just, man. It just expands your mind. It changes your mindset, like, yeah, immediately. You, you, meet, you meet some incredible people. I've got some incredible friends that are from, you know, Dubai, from Hong Kong, different places all around the globe. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, as, as a young person growing up, I'm like, uh, these places are, like, things I'm seeing in movies right. and reading about in books. Yeah. To actually be there, man, it just, it changes your mindset and your viewpoint on, on just life. Yeah, no, for sure, man. But yeah, bro, man, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you all right. the time, yeah, man. Yeah. We're gonna do this again. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Uh, maybe we'll be in LA or right, right, <laughs> for sure, my man.